right. Is everybody ready? Prepared? We're in Proverbs chapter 16 tonight. Moving on down the road, getting through Proverbs. Already thinking about the next book we're going to study through on Wednesday night. Told Brother Ben the other day to start praying about that. What we're going to teach through. And there's a, uh, I have a favorite verse in chapter 16. So when we read through this, I'm going to ask you which verse is my favorite verse. Okay? And if you get it right, I'm going to tell the coffee shop to give you a free whatever kind of drink you want on Sunday morning. Okay? But you've got to guess it. First, first thing. All right, here we go. Proverbs 16. Here we go. No. There we go. We can make our own plans, but the Lord gives the right answer. People may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. Commit your actions to the Lord and plans, and your plans will succeed. The Lord has made everything for his own purpose, purposes, Even the wicked for a day of disaster, the Lord detests the proud. They will surely be punished. Unfailing love and faithfulness make atonement for sin. By fearing the Lord, people avoid evil. When people's lives please the Lord, even their enemies are at peace with them. Better to have a little with godliness than to be rich and dishonest. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. The king speaks with divine wisdom. He must never judge unfairly. The Lord demands accurate scales and balances. He sets the standards for fairness. A king detests wrongdoing, but his rule is built on justice. The king is pleased with words from righteous lips. He loves those who speak honestly. The anger of the king is a deadly threat. The wise will try to appease it. When the king smiles, there is life. His favor refreshes like a spring rain. How much better to get wisdom than gold and good judgment than silver. The path of the virtuous leads away from evil. Whoever follows that path is safe. Pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before fall. Better to live humbly with the poor than to share plunder with the proud. Those who listen to instruction will prosper, but those who trust in the Lord will be joyful. The wise are known for their understanding, and pleasant words are persuasive. Discretion is a life-giving fountain to those who possess it, but discipline is wasted on fools. From a wise man, excuse me, from a wise mind comes wise speech. The words of the wise are persuasive. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. There is a path before every person, each person, that seems right, but the ends in death. It is good for workers to have an appetite, amen, an empty stomach drives them on. Scoundrels create trouble. Their words are a destructive blaze. Troublemaker plant seeds of God's strife, gossip separates the best of friends. Violent people mislead their companions, leading them down a harmful path. 
With narrowed eyes, people plot evil. With a smirk, they plan their mischief. Gray hair is a crown of glory. It is gained by living a godly life. Better to be patient than powerful. Better to have self-control than to conquer a city. We may throw the dice, and that really better translated lots. We may throw the lots, but the Lord determines how they fall. Okay, which one is my favorite verse? (laughs) How come everybody got it? Something about gray hair. You just clued in on that gray hair and you knew that was my favorite verse. And notice now, it is gained by living a godly life. So, Brother Freddie, you don't have gray hair. You cut it all out. (laughs) All right. As it has been uh, for the last few chapters... Proverbs now is jumping around to all sorts of different subjects. Uh, But you do see reoccurring themes. And we see reoccurring themes from chapter to chapter. But there is a theme in Proverbs 16. It actually begins with verse 1. And that is it talks about God directing our path. And... There are several passages in Proverbs 16 that talk about how God directs our path. And how many of you want God to be the one to direct your path? That should be the the cry of our heart. Lord, direct my path. But it's also another thing to understand, okay, exactly how does God do that? Let's look at that verse 1 if we could. Uh, We can make our own plans, but the Lord gives the right answer. And we have to think in terms, okay, what is God saying? We have plans. And God is the one who actually will work our plans into his plan. But there's some things that have to happen for that to be so. For God to direct your life. Number one, God gives us direction when we walk in his ways. Think about that just for a moment. God gives us direction when we walk in his ways. And I just want to say this, and I want you to consider this. God is under no obligation to direct your path when you walk in rebellion. I think it's true. We want God to direct our path. But if we live in rebellion to God and we refuse to walk in God's ways, then why would he direct our path? You see, if we decide we're going to do our own thing, go our own way, and, and, and we're doing things that are blatantly against his ways, then God has one thing that he's focused on, and that is getting you back to the path of walking in his ways. And that's why I said earlier, if you're at a place in your life where you're doing your own thing, going your own way, and you think, hey, I can do this. I don't want God to tell me what to do. I'm the master of my own life. Uh, Who is God to tell me what to do? If you have that mentality, you are not being led by the Lord. You are following in that idea of 
where it mentions it in a few minutes, we'll look at it, where there's a way that seems right, but the end is death. And so I want to encourage each person in here to consider that God directs us, but he directs us when we walk in his ways. A lot of the passages in here that talk about this are, I guess you could say they're conditional. And it's understood that it's conditional. For instance, uh, verse 7, a verse that a lot of people uh, think about and they talk about. It says, when people's lives please the Lord, even their enemies are at peace with them. It is understood that we've got to be walking in God's ways. And when we walk in God's ways, God does certain things for us. Now, it doesn't mean that your enemies are going to love you. It doesn't mean that your enemies are going to like you or always agree with you, but God will keep the peace between you. God will see to it that they're not going to attack you, that they're not going to come against you. Why? Because your ways please the Lord. You see, there is a benefit to walking in God's ways. That has always been the case. Now, I will say this as we are getting into all the areas of, of, for tonight. We have more available to us for God to direct us than they had at this time. First of all, we have the Holy Spirit. We have been given the power of the Holy Spirit to live inside of us, and that is something they did not have available to them. And the other thing, we have the Word of God in a much more complete form. Really, all they had, a lot of this, were the first five books of the Bible and some of the prophets. At the time that this was written, uh, when Solomon wrote most of this, they didn't have an extensive part of our listing of God's Word. But we have an amazing book of 66 66, uh, books of the Bible that are amazing and reveal to us who God is and what His nature is. So understand that we have more available for God to direct our path. But the very first thing, and I wanted to put this first, and I think it's important, another verse I want us to look at, and that is verse 17. It says, The path of the virtuous leads away from where? From evil. If you're walking in God's ways, you will hate evil, and God will lead you away from evil. And then the last part, whoever follows that path is safe. Walking in God's ways is a whole lot safer. Everybody figure that out? When you walk contrary to God's ways, it is a dangerous path. It is the path that has all kinds of dangers to it uh, because the enemy is always looking to trip you up. He's always looking to get you to do things that are going to mess your testimony up. He's always trying to get you to do things that would cause harm to the kingdom of God. But when you walk in the pathway of the Lord, when you walk in that virtuous path, it takes you away from evil. And if you will walk away from evil, that's a much safer pathway. You know, and I know I've told you this before, and that is if you're in bed by 10 o'clock, you're already a whole lot safer than most of the world. <laughs> really, you think about it. You know, most of the bad things in the world I've already figured out happen after 10 o'clock, between 10 o'clock at night and early in the morning. So if you're home at bed 
with your family, you're going to already miss a whole lot of junk and a whole lot of dangerous situations in your life. You know, invariably, we'll, we'll hear about somebody, they got shot here, they got uh, stabbed here, they got robbed, they get all these things, and I'm just waiting to see what time it was. Because invariably, I can guarantee you, it wasn't, not always, it usually is not 9 o'clock at night. So, again, when you walk in God's ways, He leads you away from evil, not towards evil. So that's the very first thing I want us to see here, and that is that His ways lead us away there. Another passage, it's not in Proverbs 16, but it's in chapter 19, verse 21, very similar. He says, You can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. I want to talk to you just a minute about that because it kind of similar to verse 1. Let's go back to verse 1. Remember what it said? It said, we can make our own plans, but the Lord gives a right answer. And then jump back to Proverbs 19 we just read. You can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. Now, let me just put that... Uh, part there. If we're walking in God's ways, then God is going to prevail in our pathway. Let's, let's say you're making a decision whether you should do something or not. And you're trying to decide, Lord, you know, what should I do? I, you know, I want to do the right thing. I'm not quite sure. Should I take this job? Should I not take this job? Should we go to this? Should we not go to this? Uh, should we have something to do with this? Should we have absolutely nothing to do with that? So you're facing a decision, and you really want to do the right thing. You want to honor the Lord, but you're kind of going back and forth as to what you should do. And what this passage is trying to say, that if you honor the Lord and you have a desire to do the right thing, you may make plans But if those plans are not the right plans, guess what? God will work and he will change those plans. He will put doors closed. He'll change this. He'll change that. God will do something to redirect your pathway to be the right pathway. Now, that is if you want to walk in God's ways. If you're doing it in rebellion... If you're doing it, I want to do what I want to do, and Lord, I feel like you're telling me I should do this, but I don't really want to do that. I would like to do this, so I'm going to do this, because I want to do what I want to do. If you have that attitude, then he will let you go your way and suffer the consequences to try and teach you, you you need to seek him, and you need to follow his ways. But if you walk in his ways, you need to understand God will redirect you, change your pathway, shut doors, close doors, whatever he has to do, and he will lead us and direct our path. And that's why it says there, you can make a lot of plans. You can make a whole lot of plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail if you desire to walk in God's ways. Second thing, and obviously uh, it goes with this, and that is he directs us. With his Holy Spirit. Now, again, like I said, they didn't have that advantage uh, in in the Old Testament. They didn't have the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, The prophets, priests, and kings had an upon 
portion of the Holy Spirit, but it was never permanent. It was always just for a portion, for a time to accomplish a certain thing. But today, we have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. When you go to bed, the Holy Spirit is with you. When you get up in the morning, the Holy Spirit is with you. The Holy Spirit is there to guide you, lead you, direct you, comfort you, teach you, help you, comfort you. know, all the things the Holy Spirit is, He is there to accomplish His purpose. But there is a passage, a couple of passages that I want you to look at. And I think we can apply this to the whole area of being led by the Holy Spirit. Look at Proverbs 16.3. Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. And then a couple other verses I want you to look at. One is in Psalms, Psalms 37.5. uses that same word, commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will help you. And then look at Psalm 37, verse 23 and 24. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. I love this. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord upholds them by his hand. So, what do you think it means to commit your ways to the Lord? What do you think it means? Give me your best understanding what you think that phrase means when we commit our ways to the Lord. Anybody? What does it mean? Lord, I'm going to commit my ways to you. What does that mean? What do you think, Ed? Okay. All right. Yes. Walk a righteous path. I like that. Anybody else? What does it mean to commit something to the Lord? When you commit your ways, when you commit your walk, when you commit your decisions to the Lord, what, is, what are you actually doing? I think there's a little bit more there. Penny? Penny, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, I think there's some element of that. Yes. Obey His commandments. All right. I, I agree with that. Anybody else? Yes, Brandon? Surrender, and that's kind of what I was looking for, is there has to be a willingness in our heart. And again, this goes back to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. But when we commit our ways to the Lord, we are saying to the Holy Spirit, Lord, I surrender to your way and not my way. I surrender that your decisions are going to be the ones I'm going to follow. Uh, and and you literally are, and I guess the word surrender is the best way to phrase that because you, you don't come with a preconceived notion or idea. Okay, this is this is what we're going to do, Lord. What do you think? <laughs> you know, we a uh, long time ago. I I don't do much counseling anymore, uh, but invariably somebody would come in for counseling. Both my wife and I, and. It was always impossible when they walk in, they say, well, this is what I believe I should do. And I believe this is what the Holy Spirit is telling me. What do you think I ought to do? I'm kind of like, 
I can't say anything. You already decided that that's what the Holy Spirit wants you to do. And it kind of like, hey, uh, what are you asking me for? You see, if we really want someone's help and direction and counsel, you come in and you surrender. You lay everything down. You don't have any preconceived ideas or thoughts. This is the way it ought to be. Or You just simply say, hey, I just want to hear what you have to say. And I think that's what we have to do to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, here I am. And, you know, it is a good thing when we can acknowledge to the Lord, Lord, I don't know what to do. Don't try to pump yourself up like you know more than you do. The truth of it is, is that we are desperately in need of his help and his direction. And it's a whole lot better to say, Lord, I don't know what to do. But my eyes are on you, and Lord, I just give you, uh, I surrender to you my will and my plan. Now, Lord, direct my footsteps. I want to tell you, it's amazing what God will do in your life if you will have that attitude of surrender. Anybody else have anything else you want to add to what it means to commit your ways to the Lord? Brother Freddie? Right. So he has worked some things out already. The only thing we have to do is make sure we give him something to correct. He can correct something, but he can't correct nothing. Yeah. So as I'm going, I'm going with the understanding, I'm giving him the right and the authority of my life to make adjustments in, in, as I'm going. Okay. I like that. And you're giving God permission to change your heart, change your plans, change your direction. Do whatever you have to do, Lord, because here I am. I, I, I want to I do the right thing. Now, let me ask you another supposing. Suppose you say you commit your way to the Lord and say, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And then the Lord speaks to you. I want you to go this way. And then you don't do it. So. What happens? Yeah. And if you resist his voice, when you have said, Lord, I'll go wherever you want to go. I'll do whatever you want to do. I surrender to you. If we resist that, don't be surprised that God is silent. The next time... You look for counsel. You look for God to direct you. Don't be surprised if God's not speaking because God, you know, he has a way of being tenacious. <laughs> and if he spoke to you to do something, he's right there. And if you're heading another direction, he's right there. And he's waiting for you to come and do what he said. And he doesn't, he doesn't change. He just said, if God said to do this, then he's waiting for you to do what he said. So understand, he directs us by the Holy Spirit, 
but we have an obligation that once we've committed our ways to the Lord and once we said, Holy Spirit, I commit my way to you, I will listen to you, I will do what you tell me to do. Once you've done that, you need to follow through because there will be a consequence for resisting that. The third thing I want us to see, and that is God directs us by his word. A couple of passages I want us to look at, verse 25. It says, there's a path before each person that seems right, but the end is death. I think that, I think the, the, uh, the obvious reference there is, is that pathway is a pathway of stubbornness. Uh, I want to do it my way. And if you go that way, it's going to end in death. And then look at Psalms 106, verse 24. The people refused to enter the pleasant land for they wouldn't believe his promise to care for them. You know, we, we need to believe his word. It's one thing to know this and to read this, but you know, you need to believe it. And he, he speaks and his word speaks to us. We need to believe what his word says. And then, of course, a very familiar passage in 119, 105. It says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. So I, I think one way that God directs our path, number one, by the Holy Spirit, but another is his word. And I just want you to in, and encourage you, don't take the path of stubbornness that ends in death. Take the pathway of the word of God. This will lead you right. The path of God's word has been proven over thousands of years. It is a true right word. And God's word will lead us in a right direction. Now, your friends, your friends may say that's crazy. Your friends may say, what are you listening to the Bible for? What are you following the word of God for? They may make fun of the word of God. They may f make fun of you going to church. Who knows? But truth of it is, is that if they say that, they are lost and desperate and broken and wandering inside. And they have no hope and they have no purpose. And when you have hope and purpose, it's because you've grounded yourself in the word of God. So I just want to encourage you. You know, once somebody once told me, they said, you know, I, I would really like to hear God's voice speak to me. And I, my response was, how much do you read the word? Well, I don't read it that much. I've read it before, you know, I, but I hadn't read it very much lately. And I, and I just said, don't you find that? Why would you find it surprising that he's silent if you won't open his word? His speaking to you is directly related to how much you open his word and read it. And I encourage you. I thank God that you're here on Wednesday night because, hey, if you come on Wednesday night on a rainy day, you're hungry for the word. You make it on Sunday morning, you're hungry for the word. Uh, you know, that's why I have always wanted that when people come to church here, they get a good Holy Ghost dose of the Word of God 
instruction, teaching, understanding God's Word because I believe strongly that it is the Word of God that holds us steady in our life. So that's a good thing, but I encourage you even beyond uh, Sunday morning, Wednesday night, you know, Bible studies, the life groups, a lot of the life groups go through great uh, Bible lessons and, and studies. I think, are they going through... I'm looking to Robbie. Uh, what is uh, Life Groups doing now? Yeah. And so, I, you know, that's a great study. Uh, the men on Tuesday, on uh, Monday's nights, uh, the first Monday of the month, they're going, uh, Brother Matt's going through the book of Titus. Um, you know, there's just all kinds of opportunities uh, to be studying the Bible. And I think Brother Vern, uh, not Brother Vern, Brother uh, ben, you're going to be teaching uh, some of the men uh, on an early morning thing on how to study the Bible. Is that right? Have you decided when you're going to start that? September 17th? Six in the morning. Boy, we're going to separate the sheep from the goats there. Uh, six o'clock's early for me, though. That, that's nothing for me. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's great. And really the subject is just for men who want to learn how to study the Bible. It's more about how to study the Bible. And I encourage you, you can't get too much of the Word of God. It is the way He directs our path. You know, I don't know, I'm sure this has happened to you before, but, boy, sometimes you're just, you're needing direction in your life, and you're just going through your regular study of God's Word. And, boy, something will just jump out. Passage or maybe a certain story, it'll just jump out at you. And God will begin to speak to your heart and you'll see direction and wisdom and counsel. And you can't wait to share that with someone else. Well, that's what the Holy Spirit will do with the Word of God. He'll bring that Word of God to life. It's amazing how He does that. Uh, Number four, God directs us through circumstances. What kind of circumstances does God use to direct your life? What's that, Penny? Everything. Give me some examples of what kind of circumstances does God work through to direct our pathway? What do you think? All right. Yeah, I believe that's right. What, what else? How, how else can he change uh, circumstances that will help direct our pathway? Donald? Your job, okay, he could change within the job you have. He could change your job, uh, you know, all kinds of things. Penny, he can use your children. Oh, my goodness, have mercy. He, he, he can use our children. You're right. Hey, all right, through the Holy Spirit, absolutely. How about flat tires? You're planning a you're planning a trip, and you're all excited about that trip, and something happens. It could be a flat tire. It could be this didn't work. I remember the other day we were planning on making a trip, and I 
you know, got out that evening. We were pulling a trailer, and I checked the lights. Everything was working, no problems. And so the next morning, when we leave, we go on a trip. We leave early. I like to leave at least 4 o'clock. Uh, I love driving early in the morning. So as soon as we started up, the lights would not work on my trailer. So, oh, Lord, you know I want to leave early, Lord. And so I'm down underneath the trailer. I'm trying to test the wires, figure out what's going on, why. And I'm kicking the back of the trailer. I'm kicking the lights, shaking everything, you know, trying to lay hands on it, doing praying for it, doing everything. And I can't get any of the lights to work. And so, Lord, please help me. You know, I, I, I got to have lights. And so I thought, okay, fuse. Yeah, maybe it's a fuse. So I checked, and sure enough, the fuse was broke. It was blown. So I replaced the fuse. Lights worked. Everything's great. We get down the road, and we probably had gone maybe an hour. And we came upon this tremendous wreck. Cars all over the place. And I thought to myself, the very first thing I thought of was how God could have spared our life right there. I could have been right in the middle of that. But God puts delays in our life to help direct our path. To change our jobs, He'll use our kids. He'll use the Holy Spirit to do all kinds of stuff. And I'm just imagining when God wants to direct our path, you have all these angels that have been assigned to you. And they're, you know, I can just see the angels that night busy working on blowing that fuse. You say, really? Yeah, I really, I believe that. Hey, God will do whatever he needs to do to protect his children and to direct their path. Now, again, those who walk in his ways, those who hunger to walk in God's way. If you're walking in rebellion, again, I don't think God is under any obligation. And you probably, the surest way to lose God's direction for us and God directing our pathway is to walk in rebellion. But if you're not walking in rebellion, I want to tell you, he will use circumstances. And it may be delays. Uh, how many of you have ever had weird things like that happen? Oh, my. Y'all have had flat tires and blown fuses and who knows. Uh, and, and, you know, you have all these plans and you've got them all laid out and you want everything to go according to plan. And I'm kind of like, I like things to work according to the way they're supposed to work. But I also have learned that God's ways have a way of superseding our ways. And you just got to learn to go with the flow and say, Lord, I don't know what you're doing here, but I believe you're at work. So, Lord, direct me and lead me according to your pathways. Um, Look at, at verse 9. Proverbs 16, verse 9. Very similar, but I think this is talking about God changing our circumstances. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. And I know we read this in verse 33, but we're going to read it in the New King James Version because I think it's a little better. It says, the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. Now, it is not advocating gambling (laughs) and casting lots and dice. But you have to understand where this is coming from. 
God led his... They didn't have the leading of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. So God instituted a way for his prophets and the kings uh, to get direction from the Lord. And they had what was called the Urim and the Thummim. And there was a breastplate in the, in the, it was a front of the breastplate of the priest. And that was really a pocket. And two stones were in there, a dark black stone and a white stone. And they would ask the Lord, Lord, should I go this way or should I do a certain thing? Should we go attack this camp? Should we go and do this? And they, the priest would reach into that and he would pull out a stone. And depending upon what stone it is, that would give them direction. And God actually spoke to them in that way. And he directed their pathway. So it just tells me if God can direct that person to catch the right stone, he can direct you and he can change circumstances in your life. Now, you and I, we don't have to use the Urim and the Thummim, we have the Holy Spirit, which I like a whole lot better. First of all, you don't have to carry stones around with you, and you don't have to have a breastplate. And we have the living, abiding presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. And that Holy Spirit, we can say, Lord, should I go or should I not go? Should I stay? Should I not stay? Is that a situation I should be in or is that a situation I need to avoid and sometimes he will say that's a person you need to avoid you know there are some people who are poison for you being around them and the enemy will use them to negatively influence you so I just want to encourage you God will use a lot of things that will direct your path. And he will use a lot of circumstances that will direct your path. So be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is doing. And that kind of leads us into the fifth way God directs our path. And that is, that is he uses other people speaking into our lives. How many of you have had somebody speak into your life and it really encouraged you, blessed you, helped you? Yeah, a lot of times, you know, God will use somebody And they may not even know what they're saying is really speaking into your life. But God will use them to speak something and encourage something and and just give you a hope, a vision, a dream, something. And, you know, God uses other people to direct and give words of wisdom and direction in our life. A couple of verses along with that. uh, 16.21 it says, the wise are known for their understanding and pleasant words are persuasive. And then sixteen twenty three and 24, from a wise mind comes wise speech. The words of the wise, and here's that same word, are persuasive. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. And, and you know, that's the thing we need to understand Your words can be so powerful and impactful into people's lives. Do not underestimate what words you speak or words other people speak into your life. Don't underestimate the power that has to influence people's lives. 
So what does that tell you? You need to be careful what you say. You need to choose your words carefully. Speak when you're speaking to someone. You know, and your mom and daddy probably taught you a real good thing when they said, if you can't say anything good, don't say anything at all. I want to say there's a whole lot of wisdom right there. Just keep your mouth shut. If you can't speak, and again, you see what your words are intended to build life, to speak life, to encourage, to help. But if you want to speak negative words, really that's not going to help anybody. And a lot of times you really have to analyze and, and weigh your words and say, you know, by me saying this, is that really going to help that person? Is this something that's going to be beneficial? Uh, is that something that really they want to hear or they need to hear? Boy, a lot of times you can just leave things off altogether, and they're better for it. So just understand, words are powerful. And so going and coming, speak something powerful and beneficial to other people. If your life has been benefited, and many of you raised your hand, you said, yes, that's happened. If you have been benefited then take it upon yourself to speak words of life. Well, I want to tell you, parents, what a great opportunity you have of speaking into the lives of your children. Tell your children God has a plan for their life. God cares about them. God loves them. God has a plan for their life, especially after they mess up. Because after we mess up, and this is true for all of us, not just kids. What, what are we thinking in our head after we mess up? And I'm assuming everybody in here, you have messed up, right? Yeah, I am in the right place. So everybody's messed up. So what goes through your head once you've messed up badly? Yep. God can't use me anymore. Uh, God's mad at me. He doesn't love me anymore. Uh, And, you know, the enemy is just sitting on your shoulder, whispering these voices to you, saying, God will never use you again. God, you know, doesn't want to use you, that you've messed up so badly that God will never forgive you. Oh, that's a lie. Truth of it is, is that we've all fallen short. We've all messed up. And we all need forgiveness, and we need to give forgiveness as we have received forgiveness. That's the truth. And so when your kids mess up, love them, uh, help them, but speak life to them. Because if they mess up and they fail, you don't want to supplement that failure by saying, man, you really messed up there. Don't do that. They already know they messed up. You know, and that I'm not talking about leaving off discipline. I'm saying sometimes we've got to discipline, but understand our words are powerful. And we want to pour good words into our children and into the lives of other people. You know, and I, I just I feel like it's so important um, that we pour and speak life. And to those people, if you have a person who's broken, 
and hurting, they need to hear words of life. See that as an opportunity. Speak words of life. And then the other, the last thing that I see here in this chapter, and that is number six, God directs us through discipline or correction. Well, that's, that's another area that God uses, and that is direction or correction. Excuse me, correction or discipline. God will use to direct our path. Explain that one to me. Help me to understand what am I talking about here. How does God use correction to direct our path? Any examples? Can you think of a way that God will use correction or some kind of discipline to direct our pathway? Think about it. Here we go. All right, here we go. Okay. Put somebody in our pathway that's going to help us, teach us the right way. I agree with that. Anybody else? A way that God will use correction. Donald? Holy Spirit conviction? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so uh, maybe your husband is going a certain way, doing a certain thing, made a certain decision. And, and whenever you, especially in a husband-wife relationship, and really all relationships, but husband-wife relationship, if you're going to try to bring correction, you have to be careful to speak it in a good way. And, and again, honey, that's a great idea, but maybe not right now. So that's a, that's an, another way. Yeah, slow down. Yeah, how about how about finances? You think God would would cause possibly some financial difficulties in your life, and then He's trying to use those financial difficulties to redirect you. Let's say you're charging uh, the credit card like nobody's business and you're in trouble because of your credit card use and you're buying things you don't need and you're buying things you can't afford. And now you're head over heels in debt and now you're in trouble and you can't pay all your bills. God may use that to redirect you and correct your path and that may be a form of correction to teach you cut your credit cards up <laughs> and you're maybe you're using those in the wrong way or you're buying things you don't need i guess the point is is that everything that happens in our life that's negative is not necessarily the devil understand what i mean when i say that sometimes say well you know the devil's really attacking me i I've got bills I can't pay. Well, that may not be the devil that's doing that. It may be us that's charging things and buying things we have no business buying. And then what will happen is if we don't receive correction from the Lord, then we will circumvent that correction and get our credit card again and get ourselves in a worse problem than we did before. So I guess my point here is that we need to be open to the correction of the Lord as a method 
of directing us. And, and, and I just use finances um, as one area. He could use marriage problems. Maybe you're having marriage problems. And maybe those marriage problems, you have to be open to the Holy Spirit correcting you that maybe he, he wants to speak to you about some things that you're doing wrong. A long time ago, Vicki and I, uh, actually before we came here, um, we were, I traveled, Vicki and I traveled around and did kind of like revivals in different places. And I never will forget, we uh, were talking with a lady and she was talking about how, she, you know, having terrible problems in her marriage. And then she began to berate her husband. He's not this. He's not that. He won't come to church like he should. He won't be the man of God that he, he, he should be. And she, she just went on and on and on about what a terrible guy he was because he wasn't the spiritual giant that she wanted him to be. I said, well, I know the problem. She said, you do? I said, yeah, I, I, got, I, I got a hold of the problem now. She said, well, tell me. I want to know what to do to straighten this guy up. I said, you're in love with another man. And her eyes got big. She said, I am not. And I, how dare you say that I'm in love with another man? I said, yes, you are. You're in love with who you want him to be. But the guy you said I do to is the guy that you're living with. But you don't love him. You love this image of somebody that does not exist. And her thinking was, if he would ever measure up to be the man of God I want him to be, then I would really love him. I said, that's not fair. I said, the man that you walked down the aisle with, that's the guy you agreed to marry and love and cherish. Not this imaginary man that you're in love with. That guy doesn't exist, but you're in love with him. And so you need to come back and love the man that you married. And he may not be the giant spiritually that you want him to be, but I want to say he's a good man. He loves God. And at least he's in church. And so allow God to use a gentle word of correction. In her situation, she received it. But she could have said, ah, that's a bunch of baloney. I don't like that. So any correction... We've got to be willing to hear it. We've got to be willing to receive correction. And the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, it says, no correction at the time is pleasant. Y'all, did y'all, I know this is old-fashioned, but did y'all get spanked? Yeah. Well, I want to tell you, we got spanked, and I'm still alive. It did not kill me. And it is what the Bible says, and I deserve 
every one of them I ever got and probably deserve more that I didn't get caught. And I love my daddy, even though he disciplined me hard. And discipline has a great way of turning our heart. Really does. And for children, children, God put parents there to direct children's lives through the use of discipline. It's not always spanking, believe me. That's not always the best way. You know, that's not, you know, there are a lot of different types of discipline. But sometimes (laughs) the old board on the rear end is very effective. But it's not always. It really isn't. And that's where we need the power of the Holy Spirit, wisdom from the Holy Spirit to know when and what. Sometimes dealing a more gentle form of discipline is is what's good. And I just want to say, thank you, Lord, that he loves us enough to discipline us. If you're walking in the wrong way and you're doing the wrong thing and you're about to head in the wrong direction, I want to tell you, he loves you enough to redirect your life. If you're willing to receive his correction. Yes. Which says... What the word says. And just since you read that, I I would like to speak what that actually means. The rod of discipline uh, for those in that time was a rod. It actually used a specific Hebrew word for a rod, meaning you went down to the marshes and you would get uh, a little sapling, usually a quarter of an inch in uh, diameter, quarter to three-eighths inch, small sapling, cut off a small switch. And the rod was actually more like a switch. And the idea behind that rod was that it's not strong enough to bring harm, but it can sting like fire. <laughs> it can put the fire of God in your rear end. I'm telling you, when you whack that thing, uh, it, it can put a real serious sting. And the word that he read there in Proverbs 13, if you love your children, you'll help them to understand. And what, what, is, what is that trying to say? That's trying to teach your children what God wants to teach us, and that is when we make wrong choices, there's a bad consequence for it. That's all God's trying to teach us. And when we grow up and we're adults, God wants to teach us. When you make wrong choices, there's a terrible consequence for those choices. And if we learn this as children, that when we make wrong choices, it's going to sting. It's not good. This is not going to work out well. Uh, and if your parents really love you, they'll teach you that, that principle. Brother Renee? Yeah. Right. 
Yeah, and basically, you can get in trouble by disciplining the way the Bible talks about today. And I want to tell you, that is sad. It, it is a sad state of affairs that political correctness has so twisted things that you can't even do what the Word of God says without getting in trouble. So we really have to be wise. <laughs> so I'm just going to leave it at that. Be wise in what you do. You know, I'm sure my daddy would have been arrested for child abuse when I was growing up. But, you know, again, I, I, I think children are a whole lot more resilient than we ever give them credit for. How many of you would say tonight that you would like God to lead you and direct you in your pathway? Willing to do that? Stand up. Let's pray. Let's ask God to direct our pathway. You know, and this is the way I like to do it. I, if you don't mind, just as an act of surrender, remember we talked about surrender, committing our ways to the Lord. Just, so if you don't mind, just kind of raise your hands as an act of surrender and pray with me. Lord Jesus, we commit our way to you. We ask you, Lord, to direct our footsteps. Teach us your ways, Lord. Speak to us by the Holy Spirit, through the Word, through circumstances, through correction, whatever you wait, whatever you want, Lord, direct our pathway. We love you, and when you speak to us, we will listen. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise God. I love you. Amen. Chapter 17 next week. Praise God. And starting a new series Sunday morning.